Ari the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Is it possible to be too tolerant? Is it possible to be too accommodating? And in the quest to be kind to all people and to show respect and to be open, is it possible to go too far and actually be affirming and endorsing that that you disagree with? Welcome to Airing the Addisons. Alex McFarland here. Very, very honored to be sitting in for Will and Mickey Addison today and tomorrow. And we had a great show yesterday. I would encourage you to go to AFR.net, American Family Radio, AFR.net. And listen to yesterday's show, my conversation with Will Graham, the son of Franklin Graham, leading Samaritan's Purse. Uh, And Will is the grandson of Billy Graham. Will is a great evangelist in his own right, and he is the director of The Cove, part of the Billy Graham ministry. And we just had a really great talk yesterday. And I would encourage you to listen to that. I want to encourage you to stay with the show. And later on in the program today, we're going to take phone calls and hear from you. But I want to talk a little bit about tolerance. And uh, we've got a great guest I'll introduce you to in a minute. But part of the reason I wanted to do this, for one thing, Will and Miki speak for us in our Truth for a New Generation tour around the country. And, and I feel like I know their heart as well. They care about the gospel in our culture. They care about the state of the church. They care about the future of our kids and our grandkids, and so do I. And uh, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There will always be a remnant of believers until the Lord comes back. There will always be the church. But God has not promised the perpetual preservation of any one single local church or even a single denomination of churches or even a single country. Uh, While the church will always be preserved, the body of believers, and by the way, we'll define church as a group of born-again believers banded together for the purpose of world evangelization. There will always be the church. But do you know what? The influence of Christianity and the, the residue of Christianity can evaporate from a nation and a culture. We've seen it throughout history. Will Christianity and its influence survive in America. Uh, I've got a quote here, and then I'm going to bring our first guest, and I want to talk about tolerance. I even want to talk about a big 85-cent theological word, the word apostasy. But John Adams, he was president uh, in early America. He lived 1735 to 1826. John Adams said, quote, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale going through a net. Our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the governance of any other. End of quote. Just like a gigantic whale breaking through nets, like it was mere spider webs, that would be our Constitution and our culture 
in a free fall if we don't have a moral and spiritual foundation on which those things can stand. Well, somebody who I respect so much and who definitely understands this and is investing his life for God and country is my friend, uh, Reverend Sam Rohr. He is the leader of the American Pastors Network. He's the host of a television and a radio program called Stand in the Gap. And he's a man that uh, inspires and equips a lot of people, myself included. I wanted to have him on a little bit to talk about this. Uh, Sam, are you there? I am indeed, uh, Alex. It's great to be with you today. Great to be with you, and thank you for making time to be on the American Family Radio Network. And uh, are you in Pennsylvania? I am in Pennsylvania right now and uh, enjoying the northern weather. You're sitting, I don't know where you're sitting right now, Alex, but uh, I want to say this. I appreciate the American Family Radio Network. They are reaching so many people, and uh, we have our program on there on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock and hear from so many fine people across the country. I just want to give a shout-out for the listeners of American Family Radio Network and all that they're doing for the whole purpose we're talking about is lifting up truth and letting it be known. Well, indeed. You know, I'm actually in North Carolina right now where the weather is pretty nice. And uh, I've got to ask you before we get into the topic, though, in Pennsylvania, do you guys have snow yet? Uh, we don't have it on the ground here, but on Sunday morning, uh, just about 20 minutes from here, there was snow sufficient that friends of ours who were traveling back to Canada had to turn around because they couldn't get over the hill. So, oh my uh, yes, we, we have had a little bit, but not, not really what they've had out in the Midwest at all. Yeah, and uh, you guys going to do some special things for Thanksgiving? We, we are. I have a family. I have six children and 14 grandchildren, and uh, we all live within about 15 minutes, and God's blessed that our family all goes to the same church together, and we're oh, all going amen. to be together for Thanksgiving uh this year we're going to do it thursday afternoon because others have other events going on and that will be our gathering we look forward to it. it's always a very special time where we go around the table and we talk about what god has done for us and lift up grateful hearts which is what the lord wants us all to do amen you, you know um folks you, you're listening to sam Rohr of the american pastors network and he and i both have been in uh, the pastorate, church work, the gospel ministry for a long time. Hey, let me ask you this. Speaking of being with family and going to the same church, I just I think that's wonderful. Um, in the hospital rooms, as, as a minister, um, when you're at the bedside of a dying person, have you ever um, noticed that when people are leaving this world, all they're thinking about is God and family? People aren't talking about, I should have had a fancier car, or should have played more golf, or whatever. When it, when it gets down to leaving this world, it's all about God and family, isn't it? You know, it really is. Uh, and I think that's the way God made us. We've come into this world with nothing. We go out. We go out either with the Lord in our hearts or we go out empty-handed uh, again. And I know that so many who work in the profession where my own mother and my own mother some years ago passed away and she was in a facility. The folks who work there said, you know, we can always identify a person who has a relationship with Christ because their departure from this world is so significantly different. They depart in peace, but those who don't know the Lord depart in fear. Yeah. You know, and that's an amazing yeah. thing, and that speaks to what you're talking about. We don't, we shouldn't 
have to depart in fear if we know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. We're stepping, <laughs> we step from this side into glory, and what a glorious step that is. Well, amen, amen. Uh, and, you know, speaking of people knowing Christ and, and living uh, a life that matters and leaving in peace, let's talk about uh, that great organism Christ initiated to always be reminding the world of salvation, and that's the Church. Um, you know, in your opinion, if you were a doctor giving a checkup to a patient, what would, what would be the, the, the bill of health you would give the American Church right now in 2019, Sam? I think I would give the I would diagnose the church in America broadly as uh, Jesus Christ Himself diagnosed the church in the Book of Revelation, and I would go to the Book of uh, Chapter Two and would describe the condition of the American church to be almost identical to the Church of Laodicea, mm. uh, who said, uh, "We're fine. We have need of nothing. We have riches. We have wealth." We have uh, all that this world would want, and we don't really, at the end of the day, have a whole lot of need for God, but we're Christians. That's what, that's what Laodicea said, and the Lord responded and said, oh, you poor souls, you have no idea. You're not only not what you say you are, you are naked. You are destitute. You are, with, you, you are in very deplorable condition, and he said to that church, Take some of that money and that wealth that you say you have and buy some eye salve from me so that I can put it on your eyes and you can open your eyes and see your own deplorable condition. You know, I think really the Church in America, uh, Alex, today has grown soft. We've become dependent and trusting on, on what God has given us as a, as a result of God's blessing. Uh, but I think we trust more in those things that he's given us than the person who gave us those things. So our bank accounts, our security, our trust perhaps in our military, or our hope in maybe who will be elected, uh, are the things that we believe are our salvation. We trust in horses and chariots, uh, but not in the name of the Lord our God. And I think the state of the Church in America, and, the, and, and I think that's provable by looking around and saying, does this culture look more like biblical truth, or mm-hmm. does the Church look more like the cultural substitute for truth? And I would say that there's a whole lot more of the culture in the Church than there is the true Church in the culture. Uh, Sam, did you know Dr. John Walford? I didn't know. I mean, I know of him, but I never actually got to meet him. Yeah. Uh, he was a very famous theologian with Dallas Seminary and has been dead not 20 years, but close to it probably. Anyway, Dr. John Walford was was a brilliant thinker and a devout Christian and uh, quite an expert on the end times. You know, Sam, I think about this. Um, Dr. Walford predicted, you know, just before the rapture, as the world, um, you know, grows closer and closer to the end times, uh, there would be, in the Church, apostasy, that's falling away from truth, but in the culture, Dr. Walvert predicted there would be a rise in socialism and eventually communism that would really lay a foundation for a worldwide secularism. And, and you know, I'm deeply concerned when I have millennial—and listen, I love young people, I, I speak to thousands of young people a year, but a lot of 20-somethings and younger— that are Christians, or at least professed Christians, and they're very enamored with socialism. 
And, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes tough to convince them that this has never worked. It's always um, been a detriment to the human condition and ultimate and disastrous to Christianity. But um, do you think Dr. Walford was maybe a little bit prophetic when 20 years ago he said, as we get near the end times, there's going to be apostasy and socialism? I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I think that he was uh, totally correct, and because I, you know, when we look at Scripture and when we look at, uh, you know, Matthew twenty-four, when the disciples ask Christ, "What's it going to be like before your second coming?" We know the rapture is going to precede that second coming, and I think as we look at what's happening, we say that they're both becoming very, very close at hand. But uh, but the first mark that Christ said was was deception. Deception would be the premier mark uh, of that time. And, and when that happens, how, the only way that deception can occur is if truth is dismantled or diminished or uh, rejected, uh, because truth will always identify error. But I think when we look around and we look at a culture that now has become um, morally relative, uh, when we have a government that takes and redefines God's fixed law, uh, time after time, be it from life and abortion or human sexuality and marriage or any numbers of things, when, when the institutions of government redirect and reclassify uh, good into evil and evil into good, and when you see what's happening today where division marks really this uh, nation, and we see what's happening in Washington and unfolding where justice is being made a joke, uh, lies uh, and deception are prevailing and becoming a part of the actual functioning of government, that is, that is an ungodly, uh, godless approach to authority and government. And, of course, what is the underpinning of socialism, communism, or anything of that type? And it is a godless approach to government. Mm-hmm. And with that, if any of those things absolutely set the stage and give rise for, we know, the Antichrist, the man of sin, uh, to be able to be revealed. And so I see all of these things happening around the world, and I say, yeah, John Wolbert was right. I think that's what Scripture says, but unfortunately... Hey, we've uh, got to take a break. Hold that thought. Sam Rohr on airing the Addisons, the American Family Radio Network, Alex McFarlane guest hosting today. We're talking about the state of the church, the culture and your role that God wants you to play. Stay tuned. Airing the Addisons on AFR is back after this. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. All around, we see the church faltering, caving to the demands of the culture rather than adhering to the dictates of God's Word. Whether it's kowtowing to the LGBT agenda or watering down Scripture to avoid stepping on toes of those in the pews, the American church is in serious trouble. As such compromise infiltrates the church, our worship becomes centered on self and earthly comfort rather than on God and self-denial. Renowned hymn writer Keith Getty, author of In Christ Alone, 
Magazine recently warned that the modern worship movement is more focused on being culturally relevant than biblically sound. As Getty stated, quoting, it's a de-Christianizing of God's people. It's utterly dangerous, unquote. When our churches serve up a diet of milk instead of meat, we're producing a generation of spiritual weaklings. Second, Timothy warns that time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Is that time here? This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. I've never forgotten Cademan. Hi, it's Michael with Bible League International, engaging the world with God's Word for more than 80 years at only $5 a Bible. I visited Eastern Africa and worshipped outdoors on a 100-degree Sunday. Some of those had walked two hours just to be there. And afterwards, I met Cademan, a man about 30 with a wife and two children. He was hunched over a table, copying scriptures from an open Swahili language Bible onto a piece of paper. He was frantic as he wrote quickly, but then his face grew sad as he closed that Bible and returned it to its rightful owner. You see, in this congregation of 500, fewer than 10 had a Bible. I've never forgotten Cademan, this godly brother, desperate to take a few scriptures into his week to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And that's why I love what Bible League does, engaging the world with the hope of God's Word. Will you be a part of this kingdom work? Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-W-O-R-D. That's 800-YES-WORD. Or click sendbiblesnow.com. That's sendbiblesnow.com. It gives an impetus to share your faith when you think you've got answers to objections that you expect people to bring up. The American Family Studios video series, Intro to God's Revelation, featuring Dr. Richard Howe, shows how God has revealed Himself in nature and His Word, and how we can rightly understand what God has said. These truths are just a part and parcel of the Christian life. It isn't just for the professional clergy. Learn the fundamentals of how to approach and understand the Bible in an age of skepticism. This six-week video curriculum is perfect for your Sunday school class or study group, and it can prepare you to give a defense of God's Word and how He speaks to us in nature. Knowing whether and how God communicates is a safeguard against false claims about God communicating. Intro to God's Revelation, DVDs and workbook are available for purchase at afastore.net or call 877-927-4917. that song, John 15, 5, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, The great minister, Vance Havner, who was very influential in the life of Billy Graham, he was once preaching on John 15, 5, and he said, think about the word Christian. Think about the last three letters, I-A-N, apart from Christ, I am nothing. Hey, welcome back to the American Family Radio Network. Alex McFarland here sitting in for Will and Mickey Addison. We're talking with our good friend, Reverend Sam Rohr of the American Pastors Network. And uh, before we go too much farther, I do want to say we hope that you all have such a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope you can be with family and friends and and church and loved ones. And uh, I want to say it as sincerely and as heartfelt as I can possibly muster. You know, we do Exploring the Word, and on the weekend I do the show uh, TNG Radio, Truth for a New Generation, and we have great shows like Abe Hamilton and Today's Issues and Sandy Rios and Focal Point with Brian Fisher and Airing the Addisons and Stand in the Gap with Sam Rohr. 
We are so thankful for each and every one of you, wherever you are listening, where you might be in the car, you might be at home, you might be listening online, whatever, wherever. Look, we thank the Lord for each and every one of you. And keep us in prayer. Um, God is using all of this. I was just on the phone, Sam, with um, a gentleman uh, that uh, came to Truth for a New Generation a couple of years ago. And, you know, between my speaking, I'm in a church somewhere every weekend. And then Truth for a New Generation, we were just in Cincinnati. We were in Richmond. Uh, we were in Florida. We were in Maryland. We were in uh, Fort Bragg earlier this year down in Fayetteville. Um a little over 2,000 salvation decisions this year, and that's just in all the the things that the Lord has me doing between exploring the Word and TNG, and uh, we know you all are praying. We know you all keep up with our speaking schedule, and I meet so many of you when I'm on the road, and you come out and uh, see us, and you say that AFR means a lot to you, and uh, we just want to say um, you all mean the world to us, and we truly truly, truly thank you, and we hope you have just a blessed Thanksgiving. And uh, Sam, I, I appreciate you being on. I want to get back to talking about, before the break, we were talking about apostasy, and like you said, the church of Laodicea that was lukewarm, and uh, the, the American church uh, is in some ways analogous to that. You know, I was doing a word study on uh, apostasy, Sam, and it talks about, you know, um, the abandonment and really repudiation of core Christian beliefs. And in a way, the word apostasy is similar to an ancient word for riot, you know, anarchy. Uh, do, do we, in, in some way, Sam, are we living in a time of theological anarchy? <laughs> I think that's a great way to, to talk about it, um, Alex, because as we were talking about what allows deception to prevail, well, it's a rejection of the truth, or it's a lack of knowledge of the truth. Because the truth, knowing the truth, the truth of God's Word, knowing the truth that God is truth, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, it's all centered around God and God's Word. If we know that truth, then we have the ability through the Holy Spirit to not be deceived and to be able to be discerning and to have the wisdom necessary to be able to determine that. But if there is a rejection of the truth, uh, that, for instance, we see it so often in the pulpit, the fact that, you know, 30%, according to George Barna's surveys, about 30% of the pulpits of America, and including those who would say they'd be evangelical, actually believe in the authority of Scripture, meaning um, that they may have the Bible in their hands, but they don't believe that all of God's Word is God's Word. Uh, part of it may not be, which, if that's the case, which it is for many, well, what does that mean? Well, it means the truth standard is no longer God or God's Word. It's me, and I can determine what is true or not true. Well, that's a lie of the devil right there, so deception mm -hmm. has already entered in, and when that's the case, the pulpit will not preach on the issues that are controversial, the issues, though, that make a difference between life and death, and, of course, what do we see? We see silence from most pulpits. That's why the Church is not being the salt and the light that it is, because the people in the pews don't know the truth. Those in the pulpits are not preaching the truth, because the truth is the truth, not yeah. part error. or it's, it's all truth, or it's not truth. And it comes down to it's as simple as that, Alex, and I think 
that is real mark of where we are today, a, a lawlessness in the pulpit, meaning we can make up our own mind what's the truth and decide to preach what we want to and let the others alone. And in society, people themselves saying, well, what is the law? Congress, right, watching right now in Congress, what are they doing? It's lawlessness. It's a rejection of moral truth, and, and, it's a, and it's an establishment of truth based on your ability, because you have the power to do it, to declare it such. That, that is a mark of lawlessness. So it's the same thing, being in government or in the pulpit or in society generally. Well, what do you think, uh, what do you think some of the great leaders of times past would be doing here in America. Now, now, just think about this. Now, I don't mean to be overly critical, but, you know, I, I care about this country. And, um, you know, I mean, if you came up on a, a person severely injured, let's say there was a, a car wreck in front of your house and somebody, you know, had a, a bleeding chest wound and, you know, they're hanging between life and death. I mean, what do you do? Do you call 911? You do everything, you know, heroic measures to save this dying person? Or do you, like, go get a Band-Aid. You know, I feel like in the American church, um, some of the pulpits and some of the preaching is like putting Band-Aids on a chest wound. Because, um, you know, I, I follow a lot of churches and ministers, and I mean, we're, we're in a time where the moral foundation, the conscience of the culture has just been thrown out. I, I hear preachers that are, you know, talking about, um, you know, wokeness and tolerance and you know, everything from time management to just really kind of, I'm just going to say it, Sam, like milk toast, you know, sermons, B-grade motivational speakers, when really the pulpit should be crying out righteousness and repentance and salvation through Jesus alone. Now, all of that to ask you this, Sam, if, if a Jonathan Edwards, a D.L. Moody, if a Billy Sunday or an R.A. Torrey you know, were alive today. Um, what do you think they, would they even know this America and to the degree that they did? I mean, what would they be preaching? What would a Charles Spurgeon be preaching in 2019 were he here? Well, you know, well, Alex, I think uh, one has to look at what they did. You know, a lot of people forget that at points of time in our nation's history, this culture was devolving. People were being given to drunkenness. There was great laziness. Families were falling apart. And God sent an awakening, sent these men of old who came, and God sent a revival, and, and society repented, generally speaking, and homes were healed, and and uh, bars and taverns were closed, and all of those kinds of things. And there was a reawakening. There was a, a coming back to God. And that happened through our culture's history, but it's been a long time since we've had that kind of God reset, that truth reset uh, type of a thing. So certainly if those individuals, those men who traveled the country and spoke about the wrath of God, sinners in the hands of an angry God, John Edwards and, and others, and the Billy Sunday would get up and walk the podium, the platform, and pull up that, that chair up above his head and would involve people in coming back in their uh, response to who God is, yeah, they would have really something to talk about now. But you asked me about those men. I mean, we can just look at what they did. But, you know, I'm going to go all the way back and say that this matter of what we do with God goes all the way back 
goes all the way back into the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and the devil comes and says, Hath God said? And there was a choice that they made, and they chose that God was not quite sufficient, and sin came upon all mankind. I think of Joshua leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, and uh, they saw the great works of God. They saw the miracles of God. They were fed at the hands of the uh, of, of God himself, and yet they walked away, and, jo- and, and Joshua had to stand up and said, people, be aware. And then he led the way. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know, the choice for of every person who's listening now, the choice of every uh, person in office, the choice of every pastor in the pulpit comes down to that very simple thing. What am I going to do with God, how am yes. I going to choose? Am I going to? Is, am, am I am I going to dedicate myself to the commands of God? Am I going to be more concerned about obedience to God than how I feel or what somebody promises me? Joshua said, "It's free for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord." And to Amen. me, what a great time here at Thanksgiving for people when we gather together and we think and we thank God and we should thank God for His goodness to us that we also use that as a time to say, as for me and my house and those who sit around my table, we are going to serve the Lord. And that means saying, truth is in God's Word, it is God's Word, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm going to commit to serving Him and do what He says, not what I feel like or what I can or what makes me feel good. Sam, I've got a quote. I want you to comment on it. There was a philosopher at Duke University, Stanley Hauerwas, And um, I don't really know where he was completely spiritually, but um, 20 years ago he said tolerance is a virtue only in the mind of a man without convictions. Let me say that again. Because even 20 years ago people were preaching tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. Stanley Hauerwas, brilliant thinker, he said tolerance is a virtue only in the mind of a man without convictions. Translate that a little bit, could you, Sam? What do you think that quote meant? Uh, I think that's a great that's a great quote. You know, tolerance it, is, it indicates a choice. What I tolerate, what I embrace, what I put up with, put it in that perspective, is a choice. Am I tolerant towards that which God hates? Is really what it comes in practical terms. Do I say, oh well, God says that killing the baby is sin? But I'm going to say, well, it's not that bad. It's a choice. Or God says, male and female, marriage, man and woman, a picture of Christ in the Church, and we say, well, uh, it's not quite that rigid. It's, uh, you can make room for other things, and I'm tolerant towards those things which God says to be evil. That's where the issue of tolerance, that's what that quote is saying. If I am tolerant towards those things which are evil, it's only in my mind, in reality, it is a sin. It's a sin in my life. God views it as a sin in my life, and the result of it in the culture is dramatic. Because if I, as a mom or a dad, am tolerant towards sin of my children, and I don't say to them, God hates lying, little Johnny, little Susie, God hates lying, and so do I. You will not lie because God hates it, or stealing, or any of those other things. If I don't, if I don't put upon them the knowledge of God, 
and I'm tolerant to those things that God hates, that ch- those children, that next generation will embrace and support and fight for those very points of evil that God hates. And I think that's what we're seeing in this culture. So I look and say, why do we have a generation that says, well, it's not so bad. Maybe socialism is okay, or, mm. you know, uh, maybe abortion is not right for me, but, you know, how can I say that you can't do it? This is the result of, I think, a generation, perhaps our generation, that were lax on identifying what God says to be right and true and holy, and said it doesn't really mean exactly what God says, and what God said he hates, we belittle and say, well, it's not really that bad. And when we're tolerant in that way, we have a culture that looks what it is. A reset in this culture is only going to happen, Alex, when we re-identify ourselves with God's Word and God's truth as absolute, and we say that that, for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. We've got a couple of minutes left in this segment. Sam, uh, two things. Uh, quickly, give your website. The other thing, to, uh, what can people do to promote truth at a time when really huh, truth is on the ropes right now? But uh, your contact info and then a call to action. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, I would encourage people to go to our, our website, AmericanPastorsNetwork.net, AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. And, uh, and I would encourage them. We've, we've actually launched a 52 Tuesday prayer initiative, asking people across awesome. America to join with us as prayer warriors in their home, in their lives, in their churches, as we approach the fall election of 2020 in November. It was 52 Tuesdays when we started. It's now 50 Tuesdays from that point. We're saying let every Tuesday help drive that point of decision in people's lives to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and we're going to put Him first. But in that regard, what do we what do? we do? Well, we make that choice, first of all, in our own life, and when we stand up and we look in the mirror in the morning, we actually say, Lord, look inside my heart. Am I reflecting you? I see what I see in that mirror. I see my face, but am I reflecting you? When people look at me and my life, do they see Christ? Mm. And where they don't, Lord, your Holy Spirit, convict me so that I can see what you can see. Kind of like the latest end. Lord, put a little eye salve on my eye so that I can see me as you see me. And when we see our sinfulness of our lives, the way God sees us, there will be revival in this nation. Wow. Hey, this is Earring the Addison. Sam, thank you so much. If I don't talk to you before Thursday, I hope you and your family just have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Amen. You too, Alex. God bless you. God bless you. We've got another segment. Here's the number. I want to hear from you folks. 888-589-8840. Any of your thoughts? Have we gone too far with tolerance? Are we we being too tolerant and very undermining our, our future and survival here, culturally, spiritually? in the nation, in the church. Alex McFarland here. I want to hear from you when we return after this brief break on Earring the Addison's 888-589-8840. Stay tuned. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. Questions of faith were pushed to the forefront of our lives by the events of September 11th. Thinking back to that time, I had always felt that God remained in control 
despite the tragic events we were watching on TV. I never lost faith that God would use September 11th for His glory. He sent His Son, Jesus, so that you and I could have a full and joyful life. He gave us a plan of salvation where we can spend eternity with Him in heaven. September 11th made me think about that a lot. Compared to eternity, worrying about things like coaching jobs, playoffs, or even the Super Bowl didn't seem so important. New York Times best-selling author Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. More at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. I started reading the Bible in September of 1976 after I got home from that internship. I came across David's Psalm 63, which had an impact on me and it still does to this day. I began to pray, God, if you're real, show me what you showed him. On December 22nd of 1976, as an old song says, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hey, I love that you're saying Merry Christmas. But what's Christmas all about? Oh, man, it's about presents and family and love. Well, and- well yeah, but it's really about Jesus. He came for you. Merry Christmas. Thanks, man. Wear and share the AFA Christmas button to remind people about Jesus. He came for you. Visit afastore.net to order in packs of 10. Order before December 12th to make sure you get your buttons before Christmas. That's afastore.net. Every day, babies in their mother's wombs are fighting for life, with abortion being the leading cause of death. I already had my mind made up. I was like, I'm going to go through with it. The Ministry of Preborn has pregnancy centers nationwide, standing by to help young moms in crisis choose life. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. By letting a mother see her baby in the womb and hear the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. When I'm sitting there, the lady is giving me my ultrasound. She's like making these weird faces. She's like, it's two. I just start crying. I was like, I can't. And sometimes the blessing is doubled. Preborn's mission is to help save babies' lives and souls. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. Forbes magazine, uh, August of 2018. So this is a year ago, but still pretty relevant. There was an article in Forbes, How Do We Navigate a Post-Truth World? Follow the Millennials. Now listen to this. And I love millennials. Hey, I love love all people, but I do interact with a lot of, you know, 20-somethings and younger. But listen to this. Uh, This is a, a professor from McGill University. Listen, quote, to millennials, truth is variable and constantly shifting. This is a central idea to the postmodern worldview that millennials learn in high school and at virtually all universities. Listen to this. In today's world, many will only pay attention to what agrees with them. End of quote. Well, I want to get your thoughts on this. We're living in a world of, uh, uh, a world of relativism, and the question, are we being too tolerant? And first of all, we're going to let's go to William in Texas. William, are you are you there? Hello, William. Talk to you. Hello. 
Yes, thanks for being on AFR. What you got, man? Okay, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, great. Nice talking to you, Alex. I wanted to tell tell you a little bit what I know about how they're making people tolerant. It's a biker term or a biker technique. It's called making dirty. What they do is, uh, like if they're at a rally, you go to a rally, they'll try to give you one of their club patches. Once you take that patch, you now become an initiate. They're going to try to find you on the street wearing that patch. And when they do, they're going to put a task on you, like take a letter to some address. That address is going to be another club member. And uh, once you take that letter, you are now uh, a prospect. Now, if you don't take the letter, uh, they'll strip you of that patch. They may slap you around a bunch. If you give them an attitude, they might beat you up. But they're going to get their, their colors back. So you go deliver the letter. The guy sizes you up, sees how cool you are, if you're going to be good for the club. And then he opens the letter says, oh, we have a meeting at this particular place and time. Be there early. Don't be late. So when you show up, they're going to have a uh, – they're going to vet you, basically. And then they're going to uh, have a vote to make you a pledge. Now, under the pledge, you're going to be uh, – or, a, yeah, a pledge, you're going to – work for them for a year to see if you're faithful. After you've completed that year, they're going to vote to make you a member. Mm-hmm. And that's how the whole world is constructed to make people tolerant. First, that uh, they bring you into the system. They initiate you. They put you under the task, maybe learning uh, relativism and, and evolution, what have you. But, the, but it's a stage where they make you to the point that you're tolerant. And it's exactly what the, the minister was talking about earlier. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the advice I'd like to give Americans on how to defeat that is the same advice God gave Israel and the same thing the apostles gave the early church was just don't participate. Yeah. God bless you. I, I want to thank you for listening. You know, there is pressure to conform, pressure to remain. And do you know one of the things that really grieves me about the uh, hyper hyper tolerant nature of our times? We're, we're losing the individualism that has made America not only great and strong and and uh, you know progressive in the sense of creating things, but but we're just we're not um, the creative. America that we have been. We're not an America of innovation and creativity, as we're all being like bludgeoned into walking in lockstep with the politically correct uh, voices of our times. Hey, triple eight five eight nine. I want to go to Kim in Texas. You're on the American Family Radio Network, Fo- folks. We're asking the question: Can you be too tolerant? If you want to chime in, call triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Kim in Texas, we welcome you. Thank you. Absolutely, I believe you can be too tolerant. I think what we're seeing today is many, many hearts and eyes turned by God. And you've got such distinct lines between two groups of people, I'll use Republicans and liberals as um, an example. they're, They're both listening to the same things and both deduce. I mean, it's a complete dichotomy of, yeah. of what each has um, seen or heard. And I think that that's probably a good indication of uh, hearts and eyes that have been turned. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Thank you for listening. Thanks for calling in. Uh, we're going to continue in Louisiana with uh, Jeanette. Jeanette, are you there? 
Yes, Pastor Alex. Welcome to AFR. How are you you. today, Jeanette? I'm doing just great. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, What do you think about the tolerance in our culture now? Everything that's going on, Pastor Alex, because I listen at the radio 24-7 AFR since um, about the middle, since about the beginning of the year almost, right between the, the, the summer. But anyway, it's just so much going on. And no, as a child of God, we cannot be too tolerant. We can't yeah. give in. We can't break down to what is wrong. We have to stand up for what is right as a child of God. Amen. Amen. When, I, I want to say I'm glad you're listening to AFR. I appreciate your faithful listening and support. Um, do, you know, um, wh- what do you say? I, I can tell you're a, you're a mighty woman of God. I believe that. What do you say when people say, well, if you're a Christian, you just got to love people? How do, how do you share the gospel in response to something like that? We got to love them, but we don't have to self accept when they're wrong. Well we gotta said. We got to tell them when they're wrong. We got to yeah. tell them that they're wrong. But you don't beat them down. Yeah. Don't stay on them. Let it go. Just like the chicken place. You got to let it go. Yeah. Because well, what's going on, we don't supposed to do that as children of God. Yeah. Because Satan is working through that person that's allowing his mind to, to be in that mess. Yeah. Well... I appreciate you listening, and uh, in the interest of time, we're going to try to get as many thoughts in. Folks, we're asking the question, can we be too tolerant? We're going to go to Teresa in Texas. I want to give you a quote. Um, Abraham Lincoln, and by the way, I'm thinking about Lincoln because he issued uh, the National Thanksgiving Proclamation that we'll observe on Thursday, but President Lincoln really foresaw the toxic nature of lawlessness. And Lincoln warned, listen to this, quote, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. Uh, with that in mind, let's, let's talk about loving people for sure, but standing strong for truth. Um, Teresa in Texas, are you there? Yes, I am. What you got, uh, Teresa? What I, are your thoughts? I have a, uh, the thing I just don't understand is that uh, Jesus had compassion for the poor, and yet I hear Donald Trump and Republicans always bashing the poor. They think they should just be left to die with no help whatsoever. I cannot feel that way. I just can't. And well, so, I appreciate you know, that. I, I do. Um, and do you know, by the way, I've got a book right here. I um, just was reading a stat. Think about this. 92% of all the charitable giving in America comes from religious people, Catholic and Protestant church-going folk. And so so much benevolence and so much um, helping of the poor does emanate from religious uh, people. Um, I, I would say this, following Christ's mandate to love people doesn't mandate that we cr- create a socialist state of entitlement, though. And so... Um, I, be careful about perceiving cutting of taxes and um, responsible welfare reform as not loving the poor. In fact, I, I think helping people get off of government subsidies and really getting on their own two feet 
is is really a thing that gives dignity and honor. I, frankly, I think the welfare state and certainly the socialist entitlement state proposed by Nancy Pelosi, Bernie Sanders, and uh, the Democrats, that's very dehumanizing, actually. Uh, but let's go to uh, Brent. Is it Monty in Virginia? Kenny in Oklahoma. Kenny, are you there? Yes, I am, Alex. Good to speak to you again. It's been a while. I will give credit where credit is due. You're a very humble, likable personality, Alex. I've never met you, but I can tell you your radio personality is great. Alex, well, the bless church, you. absolutely. Thank you, yes, sir. The church were absolutely guilty of being too tolerant. Yes, absolutely, in a loving way. We have to have love. We know that. But in a loving way, the preachers, the evangelists, the teachers, and just the common churchgoers, we have to, in a loving way, warn the homosexual, the lesbian, the adulterer, the fornicator, the person who loves money more than people, the person who constantly watches filth and trash and lust on television and DVDs and on the Internet. We must warn them that they must repent or they will be lost, that there is an eternal hell, there is an eternal lake of fire. We're not pleasing God if we don't tell all of those people the full gospel, Alex. Preach it, brother. Are you an evangelist? No, sir. No, sir, Alex, but I am praying. I am praying. Uh, I'm wanting to know the Lord's perfect will, and uh, when I find it, I will be so happy, Alex. Well, God bless you, man. I appreciate you listening to the show, and I appreciate your bold and very engaging stand for truth. Keep us in prayer, and uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we're going to try to get more calls in. This is Don in Texas. Don, are you there? I'm here, Alex. Is our culture becoming too tolerant? Yes, but listen, listen, I'm a street minister in Abilene, Texas. Um, God bless you, brother. It's called hitting the streets, and you know I I struggle. You know I respect you. You're 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 great. You know to to listen to, and 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 you preach straight from the word. And but like, you know, uh, it's different. It's different preaching, like in a prison or on the streets. I preach in prisons too. Than it is preaching to a church because you're preaching to the lost. And for yes. me, for me personally, it was a love that drew me to Christ. You know. It was the love. Mm-hmm. People could tell me about hell all day. Man, I was living there. You hear me? Yeah. But then after after I accepted Christ, then then the sanctification, then the seeking Him daily through Scripture reading, that's what we have to impress on people. But the love, man, it was the love that drew me to Jesus Christ. It was the love that crushed that rock in my chest. You know what I mean? Amen. And And don't you think that we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit um, when we're talking to people, I, I know I've I've experienced this. Sometimes God God leads you to really lay the cards on the table and talk about sin and hell and repentance. And whenever I meet somebody and, and folks listen to this, if you're a witness like like Don is, and you sense somebody is really beat down, I mean they've been maybe abused and and you can tell emphasize that God loves them and emphasize that they have worth and value. Uh, because you're right. Sometimes the Spirit uses uh, the law, uh, the the law of God we violated, and 
and the fear of God comes into us by the Holy Spirit. But then other times I do think it's important to maximize on the love of Jesus, how he's the one. He left the 90 and 9 to go reach that lost sheep. And uh, folks, let me encourage you, before the new year, witness to at least one person this year. This is my challenge for today. And tomorrow, oh man, we're going to have a great show. Lee Strobel, one of the biggest selling Christian authors of all time, The Case for Christ, one of the great defenders of the faith in the world today. Lee Strobel will be on with us tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. He was an atheist, an award-winning uh, he has his law degree from Yale, award-winning journalist with the Chicago Tribune. He was going to refute and disprove Christianity once and for all, and he became a believer because the evidence was that compelling. Lee Strobel on tomorrow, but witness to somebody before this year is out, with God's help for God's glory, won't you try to lead a soul to Christ before 2019 is done? You can do it. You can do it. Hey, we're going to go to Pennsylvania. We started with Sam in Pennsylvania. Paul in Pennsylvania, are you there, my friend? I am. Thank you for taking my call. It's sure uh, good to hear I'm from reminded. you. Go ahead. I said it's, it's sure good to hear from you. Thank you. I'm reminded uh, from years ago, um, my sister went to a church in New Jersey. The pastor was Al Martin, who was a leader in the Reformed Baptist movement. And he said uh, something, and I'll never forget, that uh, if I, I, I think I'm uh, good enough, I want to be a basketball player, so I'm going to tell everybody I'm seven feet, six inches tall. And then I get a crowd of people to chat, chant going down the street, he is seven feet, six inches tall. It does not change the reality that I'm only five, seven. Amen. And, and so his point was that the first thing that we have to do is, and this is 30 years ago, is that people do not know who God is, and you can't start talking uh, an evangelistic talk without first telling people who God is, that he's the creator of things, and, and, the, and the simple basic things that we all know that have been Christians for years that is, is foreign. Uh, great point, great point. Listen to that, that music. Folks, I was on a show earlier today, and somebody, you, the question comes up, you know, uh, don't I have the right to be respected, and of course we all should be respected and should be respectful, but look, love in no way means that I have to acquiesce to your rejection of reality. The transgender, the redefinition of marriage, the people that reject morality, Christ's mandate that I love you doesn't mean I have to acquiesce to your rejection of reality. See you tomorrow again on the American Family Radio Network at this very same time. I hope you'll be there. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.